Welcome to the Weekly Pass. I'm Bonnie Jill Laughlin, joined by my co-host Adam Copeland. Excited about our next guest, Mike Ditka, the Iron Mike. College Football Hall of Fame, NFL Rookie of the Year, three-time Super Bowl champion as a player and a coach, including that legendary 85 Bears team, five straight Pro Bowls, and first tight end inducted into the Hall of Fame class of 1988. Welcome, Coach, to the Weekly Pass. Thank you for that. Uh, that was pretty good right there. I didn't know all that stuff. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's extraordinary. Looking at this, I mean, I knew a lot of this, but just going over it again, it's like it's just phenomenal just to see Thank see all this. <laughs> now, Coach, I want to get right into it. Now, Tony Gonzalez was recently inducted into the Hall, and you are the first tight end to be inducted. But because of the changes, more tight ends are trying to get in the Hall. You know, before it was more like blockers. Now they're almost like receivers. Tell me about how the game has kind of changed and what you think about the tight end position. Well, it has changed tremendously. And because of people like Tony, I mean, the, the the tight end position for a long time was a, really a blocking. It was another guy. He was a blocker. That's what he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was probably the first one. They started flexing me open a little bit. And they, I had a quarterback who loved to throw the football to me, a guy named Bill Wade out of Vanderbilt. And he threw me a lot of passes my rookie year. I think it caught 61 passes, which was unheard of. Unheard of for a tight end. Uh, because they were just guys on the line of scrimmage who blocked. Uh, Ron Kramer is one of the great tight ends, but he didn't catch a lot of passes. He was a blocker. I mean, and, and John Mackey, John Mackey was a great receiver and blocker. But uh, it, it was kind of uh, it was kind of amazing. I would say that I was in the right place at the right time with the right quarterback. Well, that's what happened. And a lot of these guys now, right place, right time. We're talking Tony Gonzalez, you know, sort of set the bar there. Antonio, or I said uh, Tony Gonzalez did it, and then Antonio Gates, of course, comes along. Now you've got guys like Kelsey and George Kittle who are almost like the number one receivers uh, in their offenses. Do you think something's lost there with the blocking, or do you think that this is just conducive to the way football is going? Well, I think what's happened here, you look at what you've got on defense. You've got two speed receivers on the outside. You can take and you can take and break the backfield, put another receiver in a slot. Who are you going to cover them with? You got to you've got to put the corners on the outside receivers. So you're dealing with the tight ends being covered by linebackers and safeties, who are not the best coverage guys. They're basically guys who can play the defense and tackle, come up and make a force, uh, and that's basically what's happened. So what you're doing, you're getting these tight ends are getting better and better talent wise, and they're they're going up against guys who don't have the ability to cover them because they're basically tackling safeties. Now it's a different game, of course, but. It, what- you're asking, like, which guy can guard the linebacker there. You're right. It's like you've got a small safety who the tight end is too big for or maybe a, a linebacker who the tight end might be too fast for. I wonder in that situation uh, uh, what the right thing is to do there. Do you drop a, a, a linebacker back with the tight end? Do you bring up a corner? Uh, and, and how do you stop a, a high-octane offense with a tight end like a Travis Kelsey? Well, you can't, you can't change your whole defensive philosophy for one guy. You've got to figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to try to cover them. Whether you try to box them, whether you make sure you're jamming them to the inside, and when it gets to the inside, you know what they do? They usually line up a linebacker on your outside shoulder. If you split open a couple yards, you get the inside release. He jams you inside. The middle linebacker comes out and takes a piece of you. Now, hopefully you got some kind of pass rush and somebody to get to the quarterback so he doesn't have time all day to find you. So, and that's basically what you got to count on. It's got to be a, a team thing because if you if you say, well, I'm just going to cover this guy, nope. These tight ends today are, are so much better than we were in the old days. It's unbelievable. Now, Coach, I want to go back to when you won the championship um, as a you know, Super Bowl and the pre-Super Bowl era. How do the two compare for our listeners who don't really know the difference? 
Well, again, 1963 is a long time ago, and we thought it was the biggest thing in the world. Because, again, we have to, at that time, don't forget, that's the 60s, the Packers mm-hmm. ruled our division, and they were the best under Coach Lombardi. And we beat them out that year, and we won it. Uh, in 1965, we had a better team than we did in 63, but we lost out by one game. And so, I mean, that's just the way it goes. But when you're playing that division we played in, it was all about uh, your your season came down to Detroit, Minnesota, and Green Bay. If you had had the ability to beat those teams, you were going to win the division. Well, that's why these rivalries run so deep. I mean, it goes back to, to pre-Super Bowl era, which I guess brings me kind of what Bonnie Joe's talking about here is that not only did you win in the pre-Super Bowl era, you were drafted in pre-merger, right? You were drafted both in the NFL and the AFL, right, Mike? Yeah, I, actually, I, I could. Yeah, I was drafted by the Houston Oilers, and I was offered a whole lot more money. And actually, I, I, I thought about going to Houston. I really did. Uh, at that time, George Blander, who was a friend of mine, was still down there and. uh and, but, you know, I wanted to play in the NFL. The NFL, to me, was the best league. Uh, I, I, I signed with the Bears. I, I, it, wasn't, it had nothing to do with money. If I was going to play in the National Football League, I wanted to play with the, in the best league and prove that I was capable of doing it. And that's basically why I signed. So, you know, it all worked out. It, it, never, it never was about money because if it was about money, I would have went broke. Yeah, I'd say it worked out for you pretty good. But if you if you if we go back to like a, you know the, the turn of the century with baseball, like when those two leagues merge, the American League comes along and the National League guys are kind of crapping on it, saying, "Ah, we don't want those guys to play with us." What was the feeling in the NFL when this merger happened and you bring the AFL together? Well, it had to happen. It really did because the owners you you're you're bidding against each other. Right. You're in a war and you're driving the. The price of the players up so high, it's unbelievable. So you're 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 not in a good situation. So they had to merge. It, 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 there was no other way to do it. So and they did merge. And and at center center minds came came to reason, and and uh, it became a hell of a football league. And it's still a hell of a football league. Now, Coach, I don't think a lot of people know. Speaking of baseball, that you are a three sport athlete, both in high school and Pittsburgh. You know, was there any chance of you wanting to play baseball or or hoop it up and play basketball? I wanted to play. I, listen, I'll tell you two stories. I wanted to play baseball bad, uh, but there was a thing called a curveball, <laughs> and I haven't figured out how to hit it. You throw it straight, I can hit it. And uh, so, uh, but uh, at basketball, I got to tell you my one great story. Uh, I, I was a sophomore at Pitt, and uh, we had two kids on our team from West Virginia. So you can figure if we if we're Pitt, and they're from I mean they're from uh, Kentucky. Uh, they weren't that good or, or, you know, what the hell, they wouldn't have been a pit. But anyways, so we had these two guys, and they both filed out. I went in, and I covered a guy named Jerry West. Oh, I covered, wow. I covered Jerry for 10 minutes and 27 points and five fouls, so you figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you, you, Coach, you got to change up the ending to that story. What you tell it as is that you and Jerry West combined for 27 points over those 10 minutes is what happened. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I mean. They couldn't have done it without me. There's no question about it. Hey, we're uh, we're getting into the uh, the NFL season here, uh, preseason underway. Uh, I want to talk to you about some of the changes that are coming. We'll talk about instant replay in a minute and, and the the adding of the reviewing penalties or the uh, uh, the pass interference penalty. I just wonder about where you come down on on an era right now where they're not training the same way they did. They've got more science than they did when you were uh, you were playing and even when you were coaching. I wonder about your feeling on player safety and player health. If they were going to move to an 18-game season, do you think that's feasible? Well, I think anything's feasible, but you know, it's it, you got to understand. Um, there's not there's not too many sports uh, like football. I mean, you can say hockey's brutal, but football 
your intent is to hit the other guy and maybe not hurt him, but certainly stop him. And so when you're when you're when you're lined up and you, that kind of force, you're talking about two objects are moving at a certain rate of speed, and you're talking about 230, 40 pound guys colliding. The force is pretty in- incredible, and that's why you're going to have injuries. I mean, it, it's just the game. It's the nature of the game. The game's a great game. It's wonderful. It provides great opportunities for a lot of young men. But there is dangers. There's no question about it. And there's no way you can change that because if you take the hitting out of football, you no longer have football. You have soccer or, or something else. Now, Coach, you've been really good and paved the way for the Gridiron Greats uh, Foundation, helping, you know, former NFL players dealing with uh, after, you know, post-football career. You know, the game has changed, and I know you've uh, implemented certain things and want things to be changed. Has the NFL contributed and is um, helping you in, in helping these players? Because I don't know how much they've actually contributed. Well, I think they are. I, I think it's it, it probably uh, – some teams have contributed a little bit more. But I think the league as a whole understands that the game is different now than it was 15 years ago. And some of these guys really, uh, they need help, and they need it bad. And uh, the league has stepped up, and they're helping a lot of these guys. And I, I just think that's so important. You, you know, the, it, it didn't happen overnight. It took a lot of people to make the league what it is. And uh, some of these guys are really falling on hard times. Whether it's their fault or not, I can't say. I'm not going to go get into that. All I'm saying that uh, they have problems mentally and they have problems physically, and if we can help them, we should help them. And that's what we do with the Gridiron Greats. That's all we do. Well, football's still, I mean, it's such a huge part of American culture. And, and you know, you say baseball's a national pastime, but football, it, it, you know, it, it reigns supreme and it owns a day of the week. The NFL does when you get into football season, just different than any other sport, it feels like. Uh, if you were going to get a young kid into football today, and, and we're seeing more and more now of the non-contact football before kids get to the, the high school level, right? Even in Pop Warner, we're doing a lot of the flag football stuff now. I wonder, if you were going to teach a kid to play a position, uh, where would you start somebody? I mean, the, obviously the offensive line or defensive line, you're taking constant hits. It seems like maybe a defensive back could play a little bit longer. Where do you go as far as the safest position? I'm going to hand him a golf club. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I don't say play like hell. <laughs> because I know, no, uh, playing football, <clears throat> it's uh, it's not a, it's not a contact sport. It's a collision sport. Right. Yeah. You people moving at a high rate of speed are colliding with each other. Now it depends on the, on the fitness of the body, and even if the body is tremendously fit, there can be an injury if you hit the wrong way. Uh, you know, a leg, a knee, uh, you know, a back, a hip, whatever, shoulder. But uh, it, it, it's hard. I mean, and people today, uh, the game has become this. It's become bigger, faster, stronger, and so they hit harder. That, that, that's just a fact. I didn't make the rules. I just sat and watched it. I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you, I played the game for a long time, 12 years as a player, and, uh, and I was hit pretty hard. I was hit by some of the greatest players in the game, guys like Ray Nitschke. Uh, but I, today, it's incredible to me. The force is generated when these guys hit each other. Let's talk about some of the rules that are that are being talked about, and even some that the the commissioner addressed over the off season, right after the uh, the Super Bowl or leading up to the Super Bowl. Before we get to the pass interference one, I want to ask about the um, the uh, the overtime rules. Now, it used to be the sudden death, even when you were coaching. And as a fan, I was not a fan of the sudden death. You could lose a coin toss, and that's the way it goes down. I think now they've got it a little bit better. Maybe not perfect yet, but a lot of people watching Tom Brady march down the field against the. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and, and winning the game without Pat Mahomes getting a chance to score would say, you know, this is a game where you got to give both teams an opportunity. I say it's a game where you got two sides of the ball and you got to get a stop. 
Yeah, well, you do, but you got to give both sides an opportunity. There's no question about that. I mean, it's just, I mean, you can't let the coin toss be the decider. If, if I get the ball and I go down and score, I win the game. No, you should have a chance to get the ball and, and, and to retaliate. That, that's my feeling. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying that's my feeling. You know, if, if, uh, if the game's all about that, it, it should be, you play for 60 minutes. You ended up tied. All of a sudden, one series, you're going to say, well, we won the game because I scored before you did. The other team should get a chance to score. Well, okay, so then the other one, and, and we can agree to disagree, Coach. That's totally fine. We're both fans. You love the game. You played the game. I, I want to, uh, you know, I, either way is fine with me, I guess. I just, I, I'm okay with the way it went down. It, it goes both ways, and it's so hard to play defense now in the NFL. I, I just, you're right. There's an advantage for the offense. Maybe both sides should get an opportunity. Now, the pass interference thing, they've added the instant replay now where you can challenge it. You watch this instant replay thing evolve as a coach uh, to where it is today. Do you think they're getting this thing right and we'll we'll get sort of a beta test season on it, but do you think this is the right move or you should be able to uh, review these these penalties or lack thereof? I think they're doing the best they can right now. I really do. I think it's so hard. And you, you know, or you look at the reviews. Look at the reviews and you can see that you see something you couldn't see with your naked eye. And, 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 and that's what it's going to come down to. But if you slow uh, a piece of tape or piece of film down, you're going to see things you wouldn't see just looking at it with your natural eye. And it, it, it's just the way it is, guys. The game is it's bigger, faster, stronger. Mm-hmm. And what I, I'm just going to tell you. So, I mean, if you're going to have instant replay on every play, you're probably going to see a lot of penalties. Now, Coach, what are some of the coaches that you admire in the game right now? You've got the older coaches, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, but there's so many of these young coaches coming in, Shanahan here in San Francisco, McVay, even Kingsbury. Are there any coaches that you admire that are in the game right now? The ones you said were unbelievable. I mean, what Pete's done and what what, what they've done, uh, Bill Belichick. Bill was a <clears> – actually, Bill was a, a special teams coach with the New York Giants when I was special teams coach with the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, – what a great job he's done. What a great career he's had. And yeah, I may go on about the same thing. I go back with Tom Flores. I go back with a lot of guys. Uh, uh, a lot of great coaches in this game. I mean, I, I played against Lombardi. I mean, I, I played for Hallis. I mean, uh, I played for Landry. Uh, you know, so these are some of the greatest guys we've ever Of all coached. time. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, Bill Walsh. I mean, we played against the 49ers for years. And Bill was such a great coach. And the, the success they had out there in in San Francisco, but because, uh, you know, I was on the other side of that for a long time with the Bears and the Cowboys, and, uh, you know, it was tough. So, But, we you know, you, you, it's, if it isn't tough, it, it isn't worth it. It's got to be tough, and if, and if you end up winning in the end, then, you know, you know what it's all about. I mean, it's, it's not everybody's going to win. You make the effort to win. Sometimes your best effort in the world is not going to get you a win. The other team's better, that's all. Now, Coach, you know, uh, one thing I read, though, is that you said that one of your biggest regrets that you did not run Walter Payton in for a Super Bowl touchdown. Instead, you had McMahon running it in or the fridge, William Perry. Is that something you still think about? Yeah, well, I, you know, I don't think about it, but I didn't think about it that day either. <laughs> it, was it was stupid on my part, but I didn't know. I went, I'm not thinking about who's going to score a touchdown. I'm thinking about to win the football right. game. But I made a big – it was a big mistake on my part because it meant a lot to Walter. And I talked to him after the game, and, uh, you know, I felt really bad about it, but I couldn't change it. But it was my fault. But, yeah, I should have. There's no question about it. But, you know, you're thinking, you know, we're playing in the Super Bowl. We're going to win this thing going away. And the last thing on my mind was who the hell is going to score that stuff. Now, the thing with Fridge, well, 
But we did that all the time. Yeah, yeah, you we did. Ran, we ran Prince Four Touchdown all the time. It wasn't like it was something we just threw out there. But you know, I, I'm not defending myself. I was dead ass wrong. There's no question. <laughs> Uh, I always think about this, and, and maybe you could shed some light on this for me. Like, as a coach or somebody who played in the Super Bowl and has coached the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday, are you looking at that game going, man, I wish I was out there? Are you getting fired up as a fan to watch this thing go down? You mean when I was coaching? No, I mean now. When you watch now, yeah. do you still get those juices going? No way. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want any part of that stuff. Those guys would kill me right now. All right, I, I want to ask you one more here, uh, and we'll go back. I just got a question about the – I got to go back because I was a kid, and, I, and I, I was a big Ricky Williams fan, and I know you were too. I got to ask you the question about what you love so much about Ricky that made you make the trade. I mean, that's what it's known as now in New Orleans, All right, the uh, trade. All right, what I saw, I watched the college film, the tape of Ricky Williams. He was the best college running back I saw. We needed something to hang our hat on down in New Orleans at that time, and I thought Ricky could be the answer. I really did. Uh, we had put some people around him on offense and defense. I thought we could have been a much better football team. I, evidently, I wasn't right. And uh, it didn't work out. So, so we'd probably set the Saints back a couple of years. But uh, Ricky Williams, to me, the, the sad thing is if I probably had to do it again, I'd do it again. He was one of the greatest, nicest people I've been around. Uh, a humble man who had great, uh, great physical talent. Uh, it, more of it was sh- shown in college than it did in the pro. But this guy was a good guy. He was a pretty damn good running. I mean, he still had a, a pretty yeah. darn good career in the pros, too. Yeah, and I'm a Longhorn coach, so I loved Rick Williams. <laughs> oh, well, you better because, I mean, when he was a Longhorn, he was really good. Oh, really good. Now, you've done a lot of TV and movies and a lot of things that, you know, me and Copes were talking about. And how fun was that to be able to be in, like, even, like, Kicking and Screaming with Will Ferrell? I mean, you, you've done a lot of great um, co-stars and different uh, guest appearances. You had, a, you had an entourage hit, yeah. too. You've done all kinds of stuff, Coach. Well, I, I didn't realize what what it was when I went out and did that film. And uh, I really had fun fun doing it. I mean, it was Will was terrific, and all the people in the in the film uh, they were already. But the kids were the most important thing, and I, I really had a lot of fun with the kids, and they really enjoyed making the movie. And uh, I, I thought it was a great movie for kids. I really, I did. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't going to win any Academy Award. They <laughs> <laughs> had a lot of fun doing it. You, know? you guys even all got together and redid the Super Bowl shuffle. I remember there was a commercial recently, and you guys uh, relived that. Whose idea was that to do the shuffle? I don't know, but if you ever saw me sing or you ever saw me dance, you say, get him out of here. Get him out of here. But uh, I don't, you know, I, they did do it. They did re- redo it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know who put, put it all together. I really don't. Uh, Coach, uh, one, one more here. You, you've got one of the more famous uh, snarls or mustaches or, uh, or, or stern looks in all mm-hmm. the game of football, man. We've really enjoyed talking to you. You scare any of those kids when you were out there doing the kicking and screaming? Well, <laughs> you you bark you bark at those kids. You have them do up downs. You making them hit the sled. What was going on, man? <laughs> the sled, yeah. Uh, I did bark at a few of them. They were smart, smart kids, uh, they, and they understood. Hey, the old man, just let him alone. He'll cool down. <laughs> All right. Now, coach, All right. one thing I do love you do the cigar um, party every year at the Super Bowl. And I've attended that. Are you going to keep up doing that for Gridiron Greats? Well, if, if the Gridiron Greats want to do it, I'll be willing to do it. I really, we have a lot of fun and. Uh, you know, I don't advocate, uh, you know, anybody that doesn't smoke, don't smoke cigars. But uh, if you're a cigar smoker, it's quite a party, really. It's a really we, great we, party. It's one of the best yeah. during Super Bowl week. Yeah. Yeah. We get some great guys out and uh, a lot of the players. And it's, it's kind of fun. So uh, 
you know, yeah, if we continue to do it, if people continue to come. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Coach, for joining us. Great stuff, great insight, and uh, hopefully you can join us again when the season gets started. All right, thank you very much. God bless. Good stuff from Iron Mike. It's always nice to talk to a coach and a player who did it all. You know, I mean, I don't think people realize what a beast he was on the field as a tight end and then went on to be a coach. And he's one of the only guys who has a Super Bowl from both a player and a coach for the teams he played for, which is pretty ironic because he played for the Bears, played for the Cowboys, and then he was assistant with the Cowboys and then a head coach for the Bears. That's kind of neat. Well, and he's, I mean, one of the more recognizable voices, one of the more recognizable Mm -hmm. faces. He's done the movie thing. He's become like a pop culture type guy as Mike Ditka. Uh, I was trying to get into him. You nailed it, though about his face and being kind of like stern and he kind of at one point don't you think he was a colorful guy but always a little a little intimidating well i think you have to be as a football coach like you you look at john gruden with the raiders like that's a guy who it looks like i'd love to hang with that guy and have a beer but also i don't want that guy getting in my ass about anything you know what i mean like you got to have a little stern to you you got to be able to scream you got to be able to be tough but at the nfl level too it's not it's not like high school football or college football where you've got to scare these guys into doing what you want. Mm-hmm. These guys all have a job, and it's about making sure the guys execute their job. But don't you think it's changed a little bit? Look at some of the coaches. They're a little more loosey-goosey. They're not as stern. They're not. They're, I want to say they're tough, but a little different. Their approach is different. Fair, Yeah, like I look at Kyle Shanahan, and I can't imagine him, and I'm sure he's got a fire to him, but I can't imagine him like chewing out somebody, getting on George Kittle for dropping a pass. No, he's not like a Coughlin who's now working these guys. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I look at some of these older coaches, and and he also mentioned some of the best that he you know was under with Hallis and Lombardi and Landry. Those guys did not put up with anything. I think that uh, – I'm not saying our coaches are softer. I think they're a little more lenient. You know, you take away the two-a-days, already it's more lenient. Well, you, you know? make a good point in that, like – you figure most football coaches probably came from at some point playing a position or being a student of the game. The game is so in-depth and so intense that you've got to have some sort of background within the game, a graduate student mm-hmm. or played at some level. But I look at a guy like a, a Bill Belichick who was a mad scientist type dude, a, a, you know, the D coordinator with the Bill Parcells right. Giants and dismantled the K-gun offense for those Buffalo Bills teams, the first one. Uh, and I think about that team, and then I think about a guy like a Frank Reich or a guy like a, a, a Doug um, – what's the guy's name? I'm blanking. Peterson. Or a guy like a Doug Peterson who played not that long ago. They played not in the modern era, but in the gap between a Mike Ditka and between a, a Pat Mahomes, right? So they're aware of what the old school was like, but also what the new school is like. And I think that's why you're seeing some success from these hybrid type players versus if you're signing with the Patriots, you know what you're getting into with Bill Belichick. Exactly. I kind of like, I mean, I know this sounds bad, I kind of like that tough, kind of intimidated type of coach. The one you're kind of scared of that you respect, but you're scared of at the end of the day. You but don't know? you think it's tough it's, to keep that going? Because doesn't that message yeah. get old on guys? Like, I feel like Richard Sherman made that case with Pete Carroll. Like, when you're a college coach, you get a new cycle of guys every four years who can buy into you. If you're a rah-rah guy like mm-hmm. Pete Carroll, you're trying to light into somebody. Yeah. By the time you're hearing the same speech after six seasons, don't you get a little worn? Yeah, you're right. And maybe that's why Gruden, I mean, you see with like with Tony Brown, he's mm-hmm. kind of changed his tune. A long time ago, a decade ago, Copes, he would have never defended Antonio Brown. He would have been in his face and been, you show up, I don't care about your feet, I don't care about your helmet. Now he's kind of knows that, yeah, I guess, even though with the NBA, you kind of have to be more like a player's coach more than a hard-nosed, intimidated coach. Well, and, and Gruden back then, I mean, having the Chucky, and it was almost like he played with a chip on his shoulder or coached with a chip on his shoulder because he was the young guy, right? He was almost the guy who set off or kicked off that domino of, we need a young offensive uh, advanced mind to run our team. And then you get into, you know, you get the Harbaugh's who come in as young guys. You get Mike Tomlin, who's a younger guy, when he gets the job. But now it's like you mentioned it to, to Coach Ditka. That's the phenomenon now. Give me a Sean McVay. Give me a Kyle Shanahan. Find me the next young guy. They tried to do it with Lane Kiffin in Oakland. That one didn't 
Didn't totally work out, but Kiffin, but a good college coach in his own right, I guess. But it's funny, though, because you look at, like, a McVay and a Shanahan. They didn't play. They got the pedigree of their grandfather or their father, and they were around it all the time. So it is a different evolution of the coaches, where they're coming from. Well, and you look at McVay, who brings in Wade Phillips to be his D yes. coordinator, right? So he's, he's tapping guys who are, are veterans within the game, whereas Shanahan brought in a Robert Sala, who was virtually not known uh, as, a, as a defensive uh, candidate before he took that job. But I uh, know you're right. The game of football has evolved. The coaches and the, the players have evolved with it, and uh, it's made for a whole lot of fun NFL football in this decade uh, alone. He seems like he's gotten a little sweeter, though, right? Did you, did you notice? He yeah, seems- he's kind of a teddy bear, right? Like, yeah. I, mean, I, I was trying to get him to say he was barking at some kids or yelling at some kids. At he the, said, uh, no, no, not really, yeah, right? <laughs> I think of like the Peyton Manning SNL sketch where he's like yelling at the kids, gunning footballs at their chest. Uh, no, Dick a little softer, I think, at this point. But he was fun. I like. I always love hearing these old stories, and I love the fact that he was playing one-on-one with Jerry West. Well, I was that looking, was a phenomenal. I love that great story. I was like, we'd have to clarify for sure, but he didn't even mention this. I believe he was coached by Pistol Pete's dad, Press Maravich, uh, maybe in the high school level or maybe at some point uh, in some extracurricular college ball. But phenomenal athlete. I love that he's talking about getting torched 27 points by Jerry West. And I love the fact that, you know, not. I mean, there are still a lot of guys, but a three-sport athlete, you know, at the college level, well, that's that's pretty pretty big. And he said that he was would have played baseball. He did love to, but he couldn't hit the curveball. Well, you don't see it anymore. Like uh, you know, you go back. I remember reading about Jackie Robinson when he first broke at UCLA. He was running track, playing football, and playing baseball. You get Tony gr- Gonzalez and Antonio Gates are both basketball players, but three sports copes. That's o- tough. Almost never. I mean, you, it, yeah. at the college level, it's, it's virtually impossible. Yeah. And today and nowadays, so many kids are playing one sport. They don't want them to get hurt or get exhausted. Dude, play as many as you can. My, yeah. By the way, my uncle tells me the greatest throw he's ever seen from center field to this day. Was a ball that uh, that John Elway threw from center field at Stanford to hose out a Cal player wow. at home plate. You forget that that uh, even John Elway, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, yeah. was was slinging it in center field. I just always appreciate a guy that can play all those sports. It well, just tells athlete. me something. I mean, that's a real athlete. By the way, real quick before we get out, isn't it funny? Like the quarterback to me is always a, it's the coolest position maybe in all sports. When you got a quarterback with a, a good cadence and a good offensive line, he's calm, he's cool, he's correct. But the second he throws a pick, he's like the most unathletic guy <laughs> trying to get to a guy. I have a Tom Brady when you trying to have him oh. when, he, when he couldn't catch the ball, and we all made fun of him. Yeah, when he tried, just the, the off the fingertips and this kind of stumbling and falling. Well, it's like, like he looks so uncoordinated. Like a pitcher. Up, yeah. Or a pitcher. Like, come on, we know a lot of pitchers. They're not the most athletic guys. You get big, tough guys, and then they get up there to hit. Yeah, you know, they look like or they're trying to run. Oh. How about when they just try to throw the first base sometimes? You're like, what is going on? Why can't you throw the first base? Why John do you look Le- so awkward? John Lester hasn't thrown the first <laughs> in about a decade. So, uh, this, was, this was a good one today. It was like really fun. Yeah, we're going to continue. Like I said, a lot of Hall of Famers. That's kind of what I like. I like the old stories, and I like the guys that were the best of the best. And you'll hear it again next week on the Weekly Pass. I'm Bonnie Jill Laughlin. I'm Adam Copeland. See ya.